The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked. Now it's time to feel good naked. No matter what your body size or life circumstances, this is Feel Good Naked Radio. And your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here is your host, Lar Redmond. Hi, welcome to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redman, and I'm so glad to be here today. It's a very snowy, icy, cold day in Portland, Oregon, and it feels just warm and cozy to be inside by a fire talking to Flora Bowley, one of my muses, someone that I look up to as a great creative leader. And I think the conversation today is going to be really juicy because creativity makes us all come alive. And that's the idea of learning how to transform through creativity. So I want to introduce Flora to you. Flora is a painter, a creative pioneer, a gentle guide, and author of two books, Brave Intuitive Painting and recently released Creative Revolution. Blending over 20 years of professional painting with her background as a yoga instructor, a healer, and a lifelong truth seeker, Flora's soulful approach to the creative process has sparked a new movement in the intuitive art world. Flora has empowered thousands of people to courageously pick up a paintbrush through her intimate in-person workshops, popular online classes, inspiring videos, and books. Flora's vibrant collection of paintings can be found in galleries, shops, and printed on unique products around the world. And we have her with us today. So welcome, Flora Bowley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, I took your, I think I was one of your students in your first online class, maybe it was your second one, but I've never even had the chance to thank you for opening up the portal within my own soul that needed some sort of creative outlet. And I remember your class spoke to me in a lot of respects when I saw it on the internet advertised. And then when I engaged in it, this entire part of my spirit came alive and all of a sudden I was painting on canvas, having grown up with an artist father, a painter father. Um, I was so excited to unleash this part of myself. And I know you hear that a lot, but thank you. I wanted to give you that thank you because I never got a chance to write it to you. Aww, that is so sweet. I so appreciate it. That's, that's, I do hear it a lot, but it never gets old. <laughs> Well, the thing that's kind of curious to me about your life is that 
you are an artist who creates great work and you're a teacher. And I think those two things are different. They have um, a different language, so to speak. I envision one of them being an outward approach to your creativity, the teaching. And then there's the spiritual inward approach of the art you're creating. But how would you describe the difference in those textures of your own life? Mm. Well, you're you're definitely correct in saying that there are two very different um, modalities, but for me, they're really intertwined in a lot of interesting ways. So for just a little bit of background, for a long time, I was just a painter. So I painted in my studio by myself and, and sold my paintings in galleries and was, and I always thought that would be like the dream life, the dream job. And so I worked really hard to get there. And then I had this interesting thing happen when I got there and I realized that something felt like it was missing. And it took me a, about a year or two to figure out what that was. I just kind of sat in the unknowing for a long time where I, I knew painting was a part of it, but I didn't feel like it was the whole thing. And then a friend of mine suggested teaching, which I hadn't ever thought to teach my painting process, which is so funny. When I look back to that now, I, I can't believe I haven't had that thought. But um, she said, why don't you start teaching? So I kind of put it out there and started, um, taught my first class about six years ago, my first workshop. And it was in that moment, I mean, within minutes, I think, of being in the class with these women and seeing them, I love that you use the term coming alive, like really seeing them coming alive with with this creativity and this new um, empowered um, way of expressing themselves that I knew I had found the missing piece for me. So for me, it's it's in the sharing and in that moment when I see other people um, really get turned on, like you said that you did with the course, I feel this whole other sense of purpose, I think is probably the best word. Um, Whereas for me, the painting, my own personal painting is very healing and very reflective and very nurturing and just really satisfying in a lot of ways. But then that, that service piece, that giving and feeling like I'm making a difference really comes through when I step into the role of sharing the process with other people. Well, and so many artists live in their own world mentally and physically and spiritually. And I think that when you're called to teach, there is such a language of sharing that which we take on the inside, but then we put it out on the outside. And I teach movement. And so for me as an artist with the body, I'm always struck by how teaching is very different than when I'm by myself dancing in my own space. However, I am called to share this language that lives on the inside of my soul, and I'm able to find a way to put it out into the world. And I I sense that you are that same type of powerful, powerful teacher that has figured out how to take that language that is often nonverbal and then bring it into verbiage that people can benefit and prosper from. Yeah, I've always considered the, my process to be very empowering, um, and I do feel like I've come up with um, just a. I make it simple. You know, I sort of break it down because I think painting has this thing attached to it, this idea that it's this complicated thing that only, like, quote, real artists can do. And so, but yet there's 
a lot of people crave to play with paint. There's something about that idea of paint on canvas that is really, uh, you know, it's almost like sexy. You know, there's like this mm. thing that people are like, oh, that would be such mm-hmm. a cool experience to have. But I often think there's something that, that gets in people's way. They think they're not an artist or they think it's this really, you know, this thing that they have to go to art school for or something. And so I've really um, taken it on as one of my purposes in this lifetime, if you will, to create um, sort of an access into the world of painting that breaks it down, simplifies it, makes it fun, makes it playful. And the fact that we are layering my process layers with acrylic paint makes the whole thing very forgiving because if you paint something and then you're not liking the direction it's going in or you don't like what it looks like, all you have to do is wait for it to dry and then you can, it's almost like you get to start again or you just get to build into it whatever direction you want to go. So there's this total forgiveness factor that I think is where the freedom actually lives inside of because when you have to just nail it the first time, there's just a lot of pressure, you know, and so it's hard to be free within that kind of a model. So, so yeah, I think that is feedback I get a lot is that people are just so grateful that I've created a, a, a way in which they feel like they that anybody that they can do it. Someone that has never painted before can, uh, can give it a go. Well, you and my father both taught me that there are no mistakes when you paint. And yeah. that that for me was super liberating mm-hmm. because I tend to be type A. I want things to be orderly. I have a Virgo moon in astrology and I'm I like that order. And then I have a Pisces sun in my astrology chart. So astrologically I want to dance and swim and be free, but then this Virgo grounding kind of makes me very conscious of mistakes or doing it wrong. And mm. when I took your class I was so excited to realize that those, quote, mistakes were actually little gifts and wonderful nuances in the canvas. And when I then saw the finished product, once I felt that it was, you know, spiritually finished, because they could probably keep going and layering, (laughs) I ended up loving those little moments in the piece Mm -hmm. that were perhaps I would have defined as mistakes, but they were little gifts. So I think... That is a metaphor for opening up the parts of ourselves that are tight and restricted and not free. And there's Mm. just so much to say about how the painting can unleash that beautiful spark within us that is shut down by the critic or the right wrong or the gray um, that isn't good enough for the white or the black. And I think that when you put that canvas together with all sorts of freedom and no rules or mistakes, your insides start to feel different. Mm, I love that. You just said that in such a cool way. I, I can talk about the metaphors that live within the painting process and reflect to, to, to life and, and ways of being like all day long. Cause it's, it's really, I think where I'm, most passionate about. It's like, I love making paintings. I love color. I love all of that. But then there's this whole other world that, that once you get access to it, once you kind of open that door, it's immense. And it's that world of getting to practice all these ways of being that maybe we're wanting to be more of in our life on the canvas. And so 
when it's a painting, you know, I always say to my students, it's just a painting. No, you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna die here. Nothing, nothing earth shattering <laughs> is gonna happen. <laughs> oh, well, oh, maybe it will, but it's probably a good thing. Um, you know, and, and so we get this, we get this canvas. It's like a playground. It's, it's a little, it's a little contained place where we get to practice being free, for example, or for some other people, it might be practice making commitments, <laughs> which is sort of the other side of the spectrum. Um, so whatever it is that you're kind of wanting more of, you get the opportunity to try it on in a place that's really, really safe and forgiving. And it's amazing what what folks will go through just in the process of like an e-course or a four-day workshop where they come in feeling really, you know, maybe tight or they don't, they're not trusting themselves or they have a, a big story going on about not being an artist or whatever it might be. And then they get to practice and practice some more. And then they have these little breakthroughs that all eventually lead them to a place where they, they have really big breakthroughs, you know, and then those can so easily translate into life. Cause if you've been, you know, I always say, if you've been practicing all day long, being more brave, like you've been painting all day long, Think how you're going to feel when you walk out of the studio into your life. It's going to, it's like you're flexing mm. a muscle. It's like you were at the gym all day, you know, mm. flexing your bravery muscles um, or your freedom muscles or your intuition muscles. And really, just like anything in life, you know, the more you practice, the easier it gets. So, well, and you're cool. losing you're losing the fear, literally, of being huh. wrong or being not talented. Or you, when you really lose fear, and this is this is what I find also so phenomenal about the metaphor of the painting. You lose the fear, and all of a sudden, your life opens up in profound ways that aren't connected to the painting or the dancing, but they are connected to your well-being and the life that you want to live, that you deserve to live. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, just just in the doing, I think when, when we have a fear, whether it's painting or, you know, doing something else in life, and then you do it anyway, you know, you just go, well... I'm going to just step up to the canvas and I'm going to try this thing that I feel really afraid of because I feel like I might do something wrong or it might not look good and you do it anyway. That, I think, in and of itself, regardless of what happens on the canvas, is so powerful for us as human beings, you know? And then, yeah, it just gives us that, it just gives us that experience of realizing, okay, I did it and nothing bad happened. In fact, all this great stuff happened. (laughs) And so it just gets easier and easier to do it again and again. So in a way, we have to lose the narrative. You know, there's the narrative and then there's the creation. And so living a creative life and getting a handle on that narrative, or as I call it, self-speak that is in the brain, that little voice, what are some of the takeaways that you give your students to quiet the narrative that is the fear-based thinking? Mm. Well, we do we do quite a bit with, you know, intention setting, just really simple in the beginning, you know, getting, I get p- people in their bodies by doing some meditation and some simple movements. And then I... I get them to find a clear intention that they want to bring into the painting process. And sometimes that looks like 
a shape with their hands that they're going to like a mudra or something that they come back to. So I think it's, 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 you know, we are, when we're working with a narrative, that's like a deep one, you know, it's like a deep belief that we've had a long time. It's not going to just go away. You know, it's not just going to, Oh, I'm going to make this affirmation and now I'm free. (laughs) Like not just not how our patterns and our, our brain work, but if we can continue to come back around to our intention, or sometimes I draw upon Daniela Port's um, work of how do you want to feel? You know, how do you want to feel when you're painting? Like, remember that word or that feeling or that way that you'd really like to be embodied when you're painting. And just, you know, I'll often just keep reminding people, like, come back to that, come back to that, because easily we can stray and then we come back to it. And and I, I use the body and being in our bodies a lot throughout the practice. The very first thing I do in a, in a workshop is actually have people paint with their eyes closed to a really great song. So the whole point is just feeling it and getting in your body. And, you know, it's like there's almost not even space in those moments to be in your story. <laughs> because mm. music's going. I mean, I know you use mo- movement and music in this way too. It's like, I just fill the space with this energy and mm-hmm. I take the visual out of it by having them close their eyes because so often it's our, what we're seeing happen on our canvas. That's kind of messing us up because we're judging what we're seeing. And so it's like, okay, we're not even going to have that be a factor. We're going to be just feeling it and getting really in that sensory place where you're feeling your fingers on the canvas, you're feeling the paint, you're feeling your body, feeling the music. And in those moments, I mean, there's like this elation in the room. And Mm. one cool thing is that when we do open our eyes and step back, really beautiful things happen on the canvas. And they Mm. happen because we're not in our, we're not getting in our way at all. Like we're not controlling things. We're actually just in that raw, pure, expressive place. And from my experience, I find that when we can paint from that place, it translates in a way that is felt on the canvas. And Mm. it's often really, really beautiful, really moving, where the more we contrive things and force and, you know, work too hard, really, the, the sort of, you kind of take the life out of the painting. So those are... Wouldn't you, would you say that's, um, Ego, like when you close the eyes and you do that exercise that I loved when I took your class, it's almost like the relationship between the heart and the hand comes together. Like there's a sense that because we take everything in through our bodies, trusting that knowledge that comes from the eyes being closed is as if the heart and the hand are one and the ego is silenced and then that thinking brain isn't present. So where do you take the whole egoic, is is there a connection with the ego and the eyes open versus the eyes closed in your opinion? I, you know, I haven't, I hadn't thought of it specifically in that way before, but I think that's totally right on. I think there's really something there. And I think we just, we're constantly, it's so easy to constantly judge ourselves. And with painting, it's interesting because we have this other thing that's staring back at us. Whereas if maybe we picked up a violin or something and we played those first squeaky notes, those notes kind of just float off into the, you know, the atmosphere and there they go. But with painting, 
you're always looking, it's like a mirror, you know, you're always looking at this object that is showing you exactly where you're at. And so I think that is one of the reasons painting is so powerful is because it's this constant reflection. And so we get the opportunity to soften our ego and soften our perfectionism, if that's what you're kind of working with or whatever it may be. And like I'm always saying, choose the gentle thoughts. Choose mm. the gentle thoughts. And yeah. it's, you know, and, and like every painting, even my paintings that I know I've been painting for a long time, they all go through these really awkward phases. That's part of the creative process is this, this figuring out who it wants to be phase. Mm. And, excuse me, and in my particular painting process, I'm all about not having a plan going in. So we're kind of letting go of this idea in our head that we're trying to paint towards. Instead, we're just starting to make marks and seeing what wants to unfold in a more organic way. And so because of that process, inherently, there is a big potentially part of the process where things get really awkward or they get really ugly. I call it the, the awkward teenager phase, you know, when the <laughs> painting is trying to figure out who it wants to be, but it's not quite there yet. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not quite there yet. And that can be, you know, 90% of the process. And so what that offers us is this really great opportunity to get comfortable with things being uncertain and things not being resolved, which is a lot of how life is really, you know, there's Uh, a lot of mystery that we're always kind of interacting with. And so if you're in again, it's, it goes back to that idea of like strengthening those muscles. If you're, if you're painting all day and you're kind of in that place of like, I'm going to try this on and see how it works. Oh, no, that didn't work. Now I'm going to try this on. And I'm in that, like, I don't know, really place we get the more and more we paint that way, the more comfortable we get. And then when we step into our life and we have those moments where we're just like, not sure things feel chaotic, things feel awkward. We're a little, we can be a little more comfortable in those moments as well. Well, and I, I think that's where Jackson Pollock, when I first saw him on film painting, it felt to me like he took that emotion of, distress or upset or chaos or unsure or not knowing or the hell with it. And he threw it all onto that canvas with his paints. And I think that's when I realized that art is in everything. It doesn't have to be a particular form of shape or color or, oh, is that a tree or is that a sofa it the abstract <laughs> energy was so helpful to my to my soul and my creative brain and i think i first felt that when i saw how he would paint and that there was not that r- rigor of restriction or right or staying in the lines mm, absolutely i i just wrote a blog last week about this idea of how we can turn our raw emotions which i feel like there's a lot of right now, you know, especially just in this moment in time, it's like people are feeling things Mm -hmm. and it's not easy right now. And so how can we actually harness all of that in a way that it becomes potent creative fuel? Mm. Because that's what, that's what it is. That's how I see it anyways. It's like, this is your, this is you at your most raw 
powerful self. You're having real feelings. They might not be easy feelings, but you're having feelings, and that means you're connected to your your aliveness. And so how can we take painting or whatever art form you might be working with and use all that for for good to channel it through and get it out of your body? Mm-hmm. And I think so many people, I just got such great feedback on this blog because I feel like so many people are feeling a little like paralyzed almost with feeling so much right now. And maybe I heard some people say, yeah, I haven't been painting because I feel like, oh, there's all all these horrible things going on in the world. Like, how could I just paint, (laughs) you know? (sighs) And it's like, no, this is the time to paint, you know, this is the time to paint because I really, and I completely can understand people feeling that way. I think I, I went through that myself too, just getting back in my studio, you know, after a lot of, emotional roller coaster feelings for a couple of weeks. And it was like, okay, I got back in my studio and I let it all come out and my paint and it really transformed my, what my painting looked like. It was like mm. this, this painting, you know, my, my pre-election paintings and my post-election paintings have a different flavor. You know, there's mm. sort of like a different thing happening right now. And if I look back at different points in my life and different things I've gone through, you know, when I lost my mom, there was a whole series of paintings that came after that that were very much that moment in time, you know? And so it's a really beautiful gift, I think, that we can give ourselves um, if we're able to to use those moments and use those feelings. And maybe the feeling is elation, too. You know, it doesn't have to be all the hard stuff. It can just be like, oh, my gosh, this wonderful thing is happening, and I'm going to paint that today. Mm. Um, and then we get paintings that that... that we have to remind us of those moments and to, to mark these, these parts of our lives. It's really cool. Well, and I think what you're also unfolding is the idea that the whole concept of transformation through creativity is that there needs to be a space for every aspect of whatever you may feel or whatever you may be going through without feeling like it's too upsetting or dark. Go ahead and dance that or paint that or write that or photograph that because that is the human condition that we all must endure. And so if we have art that reflects that part of the human condition, there's great serenity for me in that experience of that darkness. And I think that's where we can give ourselves permission to feel the worst of times and the best of times. But either way, let the creativity flow through those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was recently, I had this unbelievable, um, really a cathartic experience. I was in New York City and I went to the New Whitney, or for me it was going to the Whitney for the first time that I had not been to the new one that's down um, by the water and it it's in the High Line area. And Flora, I felt like I was levitating. I, I, I've i never felt so close to the artwork and, and what it brought through me and it was like a I wish I could find the language to explain it but it was transcendental for for lack of a better word it was so mm-hmm. transcendental to stand in front of these pieces that I had looked at before and to feel something completely different than mm-hmm. I had ever felt looking at the same piece so I also think that's really cool that you can look at art and 
it's like one day it may feel it brings up one feeling and then you look at that same piece of art years later or decades later and it's a completely different experience. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think when art is created from that place of like deep, authentic expression, like a real human moment was happening when this thing was created, then it's almost like it, it carries that in the piece. And so whatever the person is going through that is viewing that piece of art, depending on their journey, it, it's going to like resonate in different ways at different times, which yeah. is pretty amazing. So amazing. So yeah. we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, I want to explore the spiritual background of your childhood. We'll be right back. Okay. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to feelgoodnakedradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. You're listening to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond. I have the honor of sharing today's conversation about transforming through creativity with Flora Bowley, an amazing artist. If you want to go to Flora's website, it's worth your while. There's so much to find there. And it's just like her name, which is spelled F-L-O-R-A-B-O-W-L-E-Y. FloraBally.com. And you can find all our social media there. Also, we have Feel Good Naked Radio on Facebook now and at Feel Good Naked Radio on Instagram. We went to break. We're back now. I'm looking at Flora's beautiful new book, which is called Creative Revolution. One of the quotes in the book that I really enjoy reading often, and I do recommend as a takeaway tool, that you put quotes around your home that do make you feel a more deep connection to your spirit self. And this is a quote by Howard Thurman on page 21 of Flora's new book. And the quote is, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. 
I love that. That's exactly what we're saying about the state of the world right now and that it is up to each of us to ignite our spirit, soul, self, even if it's painful or disappointing what's happened in the election with all the trauma in the world, we still deserve to come alive. So I wanted to ask you, Flora, I know in your book you talk about your parents were both teachers and that you learned the value of teaching, I think, probably through them. When I asked you in the beginning about teaching versus being an artist that creates work for the world, I think you were probably brought through the idea of teaching with your parents, both being teachers. But I wanted to hear more about the spiritual background of your childhood. Sure. So I, I grew up in Wisconsin, um, and my parents both, actually both worked at the YMCA. So uh, YMCA stands for Young Young Men's Christian Association originally, and so there was definitely just a sense of service and community that were really woven throughout my childhood. Um, we also went to church every Sunday, and we went to a pretty liberal uh, congregationalist Christian church. So there was a lot of music, and again, a lot of community. Um, so I, def- I grew up, um, and I'm, I'm grateful for this. I grew up with just generally positive feelings about um, religion. You know, I didn't have any big trauma there or anything. But I will say that growing up, I always was sort of craving or seeking something deeper. And while I had this really great foundation of loving parents and community involvement, there was something that I was craving that I never really knew what it was. It was just that feeling of like, I want something else. And so when I you know, turned 18, I'm, I moved west, <laughs> moved to Colorado, and, and then ended up moving to the West Coast after that. And, you know, it's been definitely through finding, like, more alternative cultures through my art communities and Burning Man communities, and lots of my friends are musicians and um, yogis. You know, I became a yoga teacher and massage therapist, but I definitely feel like I have found that thing that I was always seeking as, as a kid. So now what my practices look like are much more based in meditation and self-awareness and uh, movement and obviously painting. So it's been a, it's been a journey. (laughs) Well, your artwork is very spiritual to me. When I look at your body of work, it feels very spiritual to me. And I wondered for you if your spiritual practices and or the way you may have been influenced as a young person, did you feel the cognizant connection between that and the work that you produce? I feel like my childhood and just how I was raised gave me this amazing foundation of feeling loved and accepted for who I am, which I know is not a story that everybody gets growing up, so I'm especially grateful that I had uh, parents that really supported me, um, supported my artistic endeavors, supported all my crazy travels and explorations and things I did kind of coming of age. So I feel like, yeah, like there was this foundation that was laid. And then 
because of that foundation, I was able to just go off into the world and seek and read and meet certain teachers and things like that. And so, yeah, they, they gave me that jumping off place. To know yourself better. To, to know myself better and to trust myself. You know, yes. to, I just, I, I feel like I grew up, I just, and maybe partly this was, I, I was just born with this, you know, who's to say, but I do feel like I came into this lifetime with a pretty great amount of trust in the universe, you know, in myself, in that things will work out. Um, so wherever that comes from, maybe past lives or whatever star I was, you know, born from, um, I came in just kind of it, like my work in this lifetime is actually about sometimes I, I trust too much, you know, like I trust everybody, <laughs> like it's all good. And so I have to sort of, I've had to learn to rein myself in a little bit in those ways, but trust is such a big part of the painting process. And so for me, you know, I think we, we often teach what comes easily to us, you know? And so for me, trusting and knowing that things will work out, the chaos and the unknowing and all that stuff we were talking about earlier is just sort of like second nature to me. Um, So yeah, I get to help other people get there. So I think trust for women more than men includes learning how to say no. Um, And I think no, no is a word that is often associated with masculinity, which I find very interesting. And a lot of the work that I will do with women is to give them great encouragement and really try to get them to pay attention to know where they feel no and then where they say no. And oftentimes there's a misalignment. There will be a feeling of no, but then there will be a yes that comes out of the mouth, which is very gender-specific female generally. I wanted to know where no is in your life. Where have you learned no? Where do you use no? Because to do the work you do, to be available for the work you do, and to be available to channel the painting that comes through you, you have to have space in your life for you. And so that means there's got to be no in your life in different places. <laughs> so talk about no. Yeah, this is so up for me right now. I love that you're asking this because this um, is... I'm just working on this in a very direct way right now because I think for a lot of years... I just, like you said, I said yes. I said yes to just so many things, which got me where I am now. You know, in a lot of ways, it was like I I had to just put myself out there in a lot of different ways and kind of really go for it. But now I feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads or like a fork in the road where one direction looks like I keep saying yes, I keep overworking, I keep pushing And I can only imagine that that might end up in not a good place (laughs) for my Mm -hmm. body, mind, and spirit. Um, Or I can take this other road, which is the road that I'm choosing right now, which is to really say no more often and listen to what is really resonating as a big yes. And then basically everything else is a no. (laughs) If it's Mm -hmm. not a full yes, it's a no. And so, yeah, that's saying no to a lot of really dreamy opportunities that are coming my way and different things. But it's like right now I am focusing on home and family and health and these things that I'm really craving after many years of 
working really hard and creating a business. So I think we go through these undulations in life, you know, in, in the big picture of, of life where you might just give it your all in one way for a while. But then if you're doing that, you get out of balance, you know, and I feel like I've gotten out of balance and I'm just like, I'm like turning this big corner with a big, huge yacht right now. (laughs) That's how it feels. I'm like, okay, course correction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Come, come on back home. (laughs) Yes. So, so yeah. So the no is, is something that I'm really working on right now. And it's, and there's so much power in that because then it just makes your yeses that much more potent as well. Yeah. Oh God, I know. It's 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 a life changer. So one of the yeah. great takeaways today I think is to ask yourself out there listening, where is there a need for more no in your life so that you can align that experience, the feeling and the words so that they're the same and that no doesn't become yes. So when you think of your personal life, because I know professionally you were on the road for so long and many years traveling um, cross-continentally and otherwise to teach, but in your personal life, because I think that's the hardest thing for women is to say no in their personal lives to girlfriends or to people who want to kind of suck your blood. Um, mm. uh, and and you continue to try to help or service that person, but you're not really then servicing yourself. So how in your yeah. personal life do you utilize no? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah, I feel like just I've just tried to be more and more honest um, with my starting with myself and then allowing myself to be honest with the people in my life, um, which is I'm definitely in the category of being more of a people people pleaser um, than not. And so for me, it's big work, you know, to use my voice and say, hey, I'm not available or I'm taking care of myself right now and I can't do the thing or whatever, whatever it is. And um, I, I've, I feel like the, it's kind of what we were talking about early, earlier with fear. It's like you have this fear of doing something and then you do it and then you realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. And so then it gets easier. That has definitely been my experience with um, just speaking my truth and being more straightforward. It's so simple, but just being more straightforward with people. And, I, and what has happened, it's very obvious to me that the more I'm straightforward and honest and just clear in my communication, the more... I'm attracting those kinds of people into my life. Um, And it's like the others just kind of, it kind of falls away at some point. So um, yeah, we, we kind of get what we dish out, I think in a lot of ways. And I just so appreciate it when people are straightforward with me and honest, even if there is a little sting to it sometimes, ultimately it's just, then I can trust that person. I know that that person is going to be able to be honest with me in exactly. moving moving forward, you know, because they're giving it to me straight. <laughs> and exactly. so I crave that and, you know, it just sort of proliferates, I think, when people are being that way with each other. And so when I look around at my close relationships, like, we're good, you know, yeah. we're, we're across the board, we're good because we've set up this way of being with each other. And we validate each other through the honesty. I think the validation yeah. is in the honesty. Yeah, I agree. Flora, 
who who inspires you artistically and where do you go if uh, if i feel that like sacred connection when i go to the whitney in new york or picasso museum in france comes to mind and certainly jackson pollock who i mentioned who inspires you artistically you know it's interesting i have this sort of i have a set of people that have been big inspirations like like people i don't know so like, I mean, Jackson Pollock definitely is in my uh, set of people who, you know, and each of them taught me something different or teaches me something different. So Jackson Pollock is definitely like all about freedom, right? And that emotional thing we were talking about. And then Cy Twombly is one of, of, a painter that I've always loved. And he has this raw, also just raw energy. Like his work almost looks childlike, but it's so not <laughs> so beautiful. Um, and then, you know, I learned about like really specific things. I learned about paint quality and using a lot of paint and the lusciousness of texture through Susan Rothenberg's work. And I use, I learned about thin layers and translucency and that sort of luminosity that comes from that through Mark Rothko's work. Mm-hmm. Um, the artist named Squeak Carnwath who really taught me about playfulness. Her work just had this whimsy to it that I hadn't really seen before and it kind of like gave me permission to be more playful. So those are some of my folks that I've learned from. There's so many more, but um, one of my peers who is really inspiring me right now is a woman named Orly Avignari, who is, she's from Israel, but she lives in Southern California and she works with uh, mixed media art journaling. And she is just such a deep original human being so inspiring she you know if you think of like mixed media and collage you might it might conjure some idea of like oh you go to the paper store and you get you know these pre-bought paper kits and then you put them together in different ways so Orly comes in and says everything that you're using in your art has to have had a story that you're connected to already so she'll take old letters and then she'll bury them in the earth for a year. <laughs> and so mm. when she unburies them, it's like they have this whole nother layer or she'll soak cool. things in water or she'll put rusty nails on them or add tea mm. bags into the work. That's tea that she's, you know, consumed. It's like everything she does has this whole other world of meaning to it. And so her work is infused with like so much personal story and, association and relationship. It's just really cool. So I was able to teach um, kind of alongside her last year or actually earlier this year. And we are now going to be doing some collaborative workshops because we saw how our work together sort Mm. of took on a whole nother life of its own. So. No, I want to go to that one. I want to go to that one. (laughs) I want to be in that workshop. Oh, that sounds so yummy. Yeah. What about yeah. non-painting inspiration? Where do you get inspired in art forms that would be other types of creativity? I, so many. Um, music is huge for me. I'm one of those people who's like always making playlists and always has a soundtrack going <laughs> to, to all parts of my life. So I'm just a music hound. Um, find a lot of inspiration there. I love going out dancing. I love watching dance performances. So I think the human form in motion is is something that I've always found a lot of inspiration from, um, both personally and, you know, observing. 
um, yeah, books, movies, all of it. I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm always hungry for, for new content in that way. Poetry. Yeah. Well, and often and I, I think, yeah, getting outside of my own medium actually is a great place to, to feed myself, you know, for, yeah. for inspiration specifically, because then you get to translate it into your voice. Whereas I think if yeah. we're always like, if I'm a painter, always looking for inspiration from other painters, it can get tricky, you know, because it's like, oh, did I just take that from somebody? Is that mine? There's a whole conversation there. So not to say you can't find inspiration from your same medium, but I think it, things get really juicy and, and more interesting and more authentic when you can find them from many different sources. And that might just be walking the dog, you know, like yeah, I get a lot yeah. of inspiration walking my dog. <laughs> Well, and again, back to my father, he often says some of the greatest art is right where you're sitting. Yeah. You know, just pay attention, be awake, that. see Absolutely. that humming. I have a hummingbird that is now my pet. She, he, I think it's a he, Hello. lives on my terrace. Um, in fact, I named him Jack. And lately for my creative process, I've just been sitting and watching him watching mm-hmm. his body, watching how he uses his entire um, feather system. And then I've been using some of his movements in my dance class. So I think for an artist that's a painter, even sitting in a coffee shop and really watching everyone that comes up to order their coffee and then where do they yeah. go and sit and how do they lift the glass or the cup to their mouth. These are the ways that I think we can find inspiration that we often ignore thinking maybe it isn't something that will inspire and if you just really put yourself into a grounded place in Mm. that environment you can learn so much Mm. I couldn't agree more and really that is what creative revolution is about for me this this is the name of my new book and it's it's about how to experience life in a creative way. And so if you're a person who can go to a coffee shop and observe and listen and notice the shadows and, and smell the smells and get, and get inspiration from all of these different ways, that you're, you're living a turned-on life. You're living a creative life. You know? And I think that ultimately is what a lot of people are craving right now. I think it's, it's so easy to get in our routines and to sort of get into sort of the drudgery of life, you know? And so we're craving this, this internal revolution of feeling more alive, feeling more connected, feeling more inspired. And so that's, that's what the book is about. And I'm creating an e-course right now that really goes much deeper into that. And so there's, there's morning practices, there's evening practices, there's, a whole sequence called the art of aliveness where it's just, Mm. you know, prompts and things to consider as you are moving through your day, no matter what your day looks like, even if you're, you know, sitting in a cubicle all day, it's like, well, how can you even in that place find inspiration and stay awake? Well, one of the quotes also in your book that I love um, that's from Bill Nye is that everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. And, uh, yeah. th- and that's inspiration and creative juice. So you never want to take those moments or those typical opportunities that you may think, oh, I'm driving to work or, oh, I'm going to grab my coffee or, oh, I'm go." But no, pay attention. Pay attention to the texture. Yeah. 
the light, the sound, what what do you see, what don't you see? If you tune in to all of the senses, I think there is such an opportunity in every second, even if it's the same thing you do every day, it's different each time you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would imagine everyone listening can think of someone that they know in their life who lives that way. You know, that person who's always noticing the light or they're just, they're just, making conversation with with everybody they meet. You know, it's like there's a certain quality to people that it's like they're really engaged in life. Mm. And I, for one, am really into being friends with those people. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that's who I want to surround myself with, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And I think the beauty of this time, I really believe that this next year, as we're soon approaching 2017, which numerologically is number one, the beginning. And I think Mm. there is, your book is so timely being named Creative Revolution, because I do believe that this next year is going to really give the artists, the creatives, the humans that do engage in the senses, a different profile, a different identity and a much more impactful journey that we share in that collective whole living as creative revolutionaries. There's going to be a need and a want and a desire for that like we've never seen. And then that gives us this opportunity to rise, to rise to this occasion Mm. and to create and provide that language. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like we're, we're in a time in life on this planet right now where creativity is more essential than it ever has been. You know, it's like not only have we gotten ourselves into a bunch of pickles and uh, (laughs) uh, humans on the planet um, that need creative solutions, but I also just think how we relate to one another, how we relate to ourselves and our communities. Um, We're in a time where we need to do it in a different way. And yeah, when I think of doing something in a different way, I immediately think, okay, we got it. It's time to get creative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So before we leave each other today, Flora, if you have a listener out there who's just feeling super shut down creatively and they don't even know how to start that sense of living a more creative life or transforming through the creative process, what is just one exercise from your new book, Creative Revolution, that could be something they do just to ignite that spark within? Mm. Well, my the e-course I'm working on right now is has a whole sequence of exercises that you can just do at your kitchen table. Um, which is kind of a new direction for me because a lot of my painting work is sort of big scale acrylic painting, which I realize is not so accessible for a lot of people. And that's a lot of what you might find in the book. But I think um, when I think about these new exercises, you know, one of them that comes to mind is to just grab a piece of paper and grab a pen or a crayon or marker, whatever you have in your drawer and put on some music close your eyes and just let your pen glide across the page in a way that is effortless and thoughtless where it's just tuning into the rhythm of the music, the way your hand wants to move, whatever feels good. And then you can try it with your non-dominant hand or you could try it with, you know, take your paper down so it stays in place and then try both hands or put on a really fast song or really slow it down, maybe even try it in silence and see what wants to come out. And 
you might just be really surprised by how it makes you feel. It's such a simple act, but just that act of listening in and responding um, can be something that is just a little access point towards Mm. your creativity. It's awesome, Flora. Thank yeah. you so much for your time today. Florabelly.com and a great guide to help you complete you. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us again live next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.